0: Are you the type to, like, storm off? I think that's abandoning people, yeah. and
1: I think that's abusive. I've always said I'm looking forward to our first fight. You guys have an incredible amount of potential. I don't want you to derail this early on. Yeah. I woke up this morning, and Zach is not here. He left the
0: apartment without informing me of anything. No phone calls, no text
1: messages to my phone, nothing. And so, I'm out. <laughs>
0: everyone, welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine, with me, Cara Berry, Married at First Sight Edition. Ooh, I come to you, I stand before you, a woman who is humbled, I feel like I've been duped, I feel like I've been tricked, I bamboozled, bamboozled would be a word that comes up, by Johnny. I'm highly disappointed in his behavior this week, but at least we had some intervention in the form of Pastor Cal, but let's get into the episode before we talk about whatever it is that Johnny's trying to do. So the couples' uh, our honeymoon is over. Everybody's headed back to Houston to move into their uh, shared neutral apartments, and I gotta say these look like the best apartments that out of all the seasons. Space, hello, space, room, a view floor to ceiling windows, incredible. The bedrooms. I had a question about how small the, why, why were the bedrooms so small when everything else was so large? But you know, that's another story for another day. And Hey, I don't have to live there. So there you go. Um, starting with Mira and Mirla and Gil, they walk into their apartment. Gil carries her over the threshold. Mirla could not have looked less happy to engage in this, um, activity. And she confirms that and says, Hey, sorry, ladies. I I know that like, this is supposed to be romantic or whatever, but I actually think it's really corny. (laughs) Gil is so excited to do it. He's like, I'm going to do it for every new house that we move into. Like he's all in fireman. It's, it's a fireman's code. I think, I don't know. Um, you guys, we reached a milestone. Mirla looked all over that apartment and only had one complaint, which is that the bedrooms were too small, which she was completely right about. So I would say, frankly, that's like no complaints at all. Really, if you really want to think about it. And I was proud of her, proud of our girl. And I'm just going to say it like I hinted at it last week, but officially I like Mirla. Sorry. I I know that this is a completely... This is probably one of my most unpopular opinions since um, you know, you guys roasted me to high hell for saying that I was attracted to um, the Real Housewives of New York, Kristen Takeman's husband, Josh, and his hats. Like, this is... You know, I'm willing to stand in that. You know, I don't mind being wrong, and I don't mind, like... You know, I don't, I don't need to be the most popular. I don't need everybody to agree with me, but here, you know, when that happens, like I stand firm in it and I like Marla. I think she is, you know, a little bit of a tortoise, a little too in her shell, but I think she's going along with this as well as you could be expected. She complains a lot, but she does not complain about Gil. And I think that should be an important distinction. She allows him to roast her. She listens to him when she, when he says things, they have a nice dialogue. They have a nice rapport with one another. And I told one of the listeners this, and I think I might be adding Marilla to the guilt to this situation. If these relationships end, I think it's going to be the men's fault for all of them. And I stand by that. Um, So, yeah, we're back at the apartment. And then we have the scenes where they go over to each other's apartment to check out, see what they're like, yada, yada, yada. Take things from the apartment to bring back into your neutral shared apartment, right? So Gil goes over to Merla's first. And it was everything that I thought it would be, you guys. It was, in the words of Phaedra Parks, Bougetto. It was balling on a budget. It was a lot of hobby lobby um, art, a lot of like fractal art, a lot of highly uh, pixelated, highly filtered art. Um, there was the use of empty bottles of veuve Clicot and Ciroc, um as a decor. In multiple places in the in the apartment, Um, that was very interesting to me. Mirla did not give me. I'm using an empty bottle of French vanilla vodka as decoration in my apartment. I, I was a little bit surprised by that. But here's the thing: where I maybe maybe I need to like retract what I just said. Is that I think we're being fed this. Shit about Mirla being such a princess really it's Gil this is now the personality that Gil has developed which is I'm married to um, a stuck up spend money greedy little princess like this is his storyline not hers I love a woman who refuses to be tied down by the words and the feelings and sentiments of the men around her okay (laughs) (laughs) we're dipping into a little bit of ironic standing at this point, but it's still deep down. I mean, I mean this, um, the tufted bed, the, the, when they go to the bathroom to find that she has a gallery wall of pictures of her on various, um, trips doing like full on Hilaria Baldwin, like, look at me. Here I am on this beach doing a yoga pose. Here I am on that beach also doing a yoga pose hey, look at me, another yoga pose, another beach, another bikini. Gil roasts her for that. And rightfully so. (laughs) He says, wow, you really love yourself. (laughs) So then they check out their closet, which of course we knew was going to be public enemy number one. And there's like the Louis Vuitton bags, uh, on the top shelf, not the actual purses, like the s- bags that you get from the store. Um, and you know, Louboutins scattered throughout Gil asks, you know, what the price is for Louboutins. And she says, well, it's probably about $600 for like a more basic pair. And then he asks what the most expensive pair of shoes is that she has. And she's like, well, probably about a thousand dollars. So then Gil, dog with bone, asks how often she buys expensive shoes. And she's like, two or three times a year, I'll buy a couple pairs. And then Gil asks how much she would say that the value of her closet was if she were to have to insure it. And he's like, she says, you know, maybe about ten to 15000 See, that's what I'm saying, y'all. Like, yeah, she's got some red bottoms, but she's also rocking very cheap, fast fashion brands. Like, we're going doing real high-low here with Mirla. Gil starts talking about how he's a firefighter so he's not into this kind of stuff and he would rather put his money towards real estate. But here's my thing. Why is it such a big issue that she spends within her meat? Like, this is the thing that we're not talking about is, this is not like a Rachel and Jose situation where Rachel fully admits that like, she will, she's not financially responsible, she will spend on luxury, travel, what have you, and maybe let other things fall by the wayside. Mirla has made it very clear that this is the lifestyle that she has created for herself, this is the coin that she has managed to fall into, and she is spending within her means. So I don't understand and, like, I'm eat the rich all day, but here's the thing. Like, if she makes, what, a hundred out a year? Like, it's okay that occasionally she can live in an apartment. And, and, you know, it seems like she's not buying a bag or a pair of shoes and then eating ramen all week. Or, you know, she's spending within her means. So I don't understand, like, why... She needs to be punished for this, or why this is seen as her some, somehow being unprepared for marriage, because it, it's like, yeah, you're a firefighter, so maybe you just don't have the money to spend on $600 pairs of shoes. That's okay, too. But she, if she can, I don't understand why we have to make it seem like, oh, this is, like, a, an actual bad personality trait that she has. Anyway, more on that later. So, then they re- switch uh, roles. Marla goes over to Gil's house, and you know she was not excited about this because we meet Hype, Gil's dog. Hype seems like a very chill dog. He seems like he listens well. He seems like he's not going to be an issue, but of course... Mirlo walks in. He of course greets them at the door and she sees she, like fucking Robocop. She walks in. As soon as she walks in, she says there's water on the floor. You told me he didn't drool. That's drool. <laughs> Gil's like, no, I just think it's probably water. <laughs> and um, you know, she is, she doesn't really want to touch him. She's practically hiding behind Gil when uh, hype comes to the door She's like, no, not not willing to do it. Maybe you can get a little two fingers on the top of your head, but that's the most touch I'm gonna get. They even ask Marilla as she's talking about the dog to in a confessional, "Do you remember the name of Gil's dog?" She really had to think about it <laughs> before she answered. Um, so like, Gil sends the dog to his dog bed in the living room, and he's sitting there chilling. I, you know, I think this is excellent behavior. We have to. You know, be aware of the fact that this is not only one new person coming into the house. This is a camera crew, camera equipment, production, lights. All of this is a lot for a dog to take in. So I thought he, all the dogs seem to be really well behaved. Um, what, where am I going with this? Oh, <laughs> so Gil goes over to... Uh, Gil or Hype's bed, and he says, "You know, Hype gets bathed once a week." Meryl's like, "Are you sure he's not going to smell? I can smell it. He's he's a stinky dog. He smells so bad. Are you sure that one one bath a week is going to stop it and prevent our apartment from smelling like dog?" And he's like, "Yes, <laughs> I promise." First of all, the dog is like he looks like a boxer or bulldog hybrid. Like he's got short hair. I've experienced with boxers, like I said, and they don't really shed that much. Like, yeah, if they get hype, you know, but it's not like you're not going to find chunks of hair on your uh, couch more than likely. But anyway, um, you know, once a week, a bath for a dog is more than most dogs get so she should be grateful so anyway gil bends down and he's doing like the oh kiss me Uh, you know kissing his head and you know doing that thing where you don't let the dog kiss your face but you get close in their face and you just let them like lick the air so that you know it's like a bonding moment like you're not actually kissing me but mirla is horrified like you let your dog kiss you and he's like it's not like a real kiss And then she says in a confessional that that just pushed their kissing timeline way back. Way, way back. So then Gil pulls out a picture of his uh, belated father. It's a painting. And, you know, it's like in a nice frame. And he tells a story about how when his dad was alive and they were living together, he put up four paintings on the wall. It was Nelson Mandela, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr. And then this picture... Of himself. And he would tell everybody who walked in the house that those were the four greatest men uh, in history. And then he turns to Marilyn and says, you know, he's kind of like you. (laughs) She's like, what the hell do you mean by that? (laughs) Like, kind of like me. And Gil says, well, yeah, because he would also put pictures of himself in his house. Like, he's just that kind of (laughs) guy. See? And she takes it. She does not fight him on this. And I appreciate that. Um, moving on just very quickly to Michaela and Zach before we get into the drama that happened with them, we didn't really even see them until halfway till the episode. We saw a little clip of uh Michaela in her apartment uh, talking about how much she, she misses Zach and Zach's saying the same as he's driving from uh in his car or not his car, but he's driving from Florida and I have to imagine. That maybe they didn't let him fly back. They made him drive from Florida to Houston. From the Keys to Houston. Which seems like... God, that seems like a long time. I don't know what the travel time would be, but that seems like a very long drive. It didn't seem like he was flying back, that's for sure. Then the next time we see them... Gil's driving again on his way to Michaela's house. He told her that he was still continuing to test positive, even though he really tested negative. So he comes over with some flowers and surprises her at her place. And she's really excited. And um, he says that, you know, uh, being apart was hard and that it was a really good, no, excuse me. Michaela says that being apart was hard and it was a really good lesson in a, excuse me, a difficult lesson, rather, in him protecting her from harm. Michaela, you gotta let this shit go. Like, I get if you're pissed about being able, or, or not being able to have a honeymoon. Totally understood. Where I'm missing you is that you're making this seem like it's the end of the world, girl. It was like, what, five days? It's fine. You guys are gonna be okay. Okay. Um, so then she even pulls out, uh, Zach, I have a gift for you (laughs) for their one week anniversary. It was like a whole, I didn't see exactly what it was, but it was like a box full of multiple things and the card, the card, you guys, the card, the card that was like talking about how you're, you know, basically like Lyrics from You're Still the One. Um, you know, I I still think that you're hot. You still love to make, you know, I still love to smile with you. And I still need your hugs. And I still love when you touch me that way. If you guys have been together for like 48 to 56 hours, tops. So like, yeah. But also, what? <laughs> I'm confused. I'm confused. So confused. Let's move on to Brett and Ryan. So Ryan says something in his confessional about how he's like excited to move into the apartment. He really feels so close to Brett. He's happy to have her companionship. I don't personally believe that for a second, but he did sound convincing. Brett says that she's a little bit concerned because she's used to doing things on her own schedule whenever she wants. If I want to go to the gym at 10 o'clock, if I want to go kick it with my friends after work, I can do that. But now I've got to take my husband into consideration. And then later Ryan, goes to Brett's place so she can pick up some things, um, to take back to the apartment, meet her dog. And wow, Brett's out, excuse me, Ryan's outfit was a sight to behold. Like, He was giving Home Depot dad, um, you know, country guy going to his first daddy-daughter dance, the, how, Ryan is what, 36? Somewhere between 33 and 36. The light jeans, and I know this is Texas, and maybe I should take that into consideration, but the, it was the light jeans, tucked into the lavender button-down for me with, like, the brown belt. It was just giving dad. Dad. Not zaddy. Like, dad. Like, your friend's dad, you know? And, like, he's nice, but, like, you don't really talk to him. He's always at the grill. You've barely heard him finish a sentence. Like, just somebody's dad, you know? So, Brett and Ryan both have dogs, and... Brett has like a little older dog. Ryan has a big fluffy doodle situation. And so when Brett goes to Ryan's house to introduce the dogs, so you can tell she's really anxious and Brett, excuse me, Ryan brings his dog outside and like, it's cool at first. And then Brett's dog gets a little, little feisty. So she decides to leave him in the car while they go look at their, his house. I to say his house is really nice it was very basic, um, but it was like decent. It was a nice, uh, how do I say this? It had nice bones, (laughs) but it was also very generic. Like it still had the paint from, you know, the original paint. Like this may have been the show house, just that, like that, that color, (laughs) you know, that color that all the landlords and property owners have decided is just the very neutral color. It's, a lot of brown, a lot of shades of brown and beige, and like yellow, that kind of vibe. Um, uh, but you know, R- R- Brett was right. Says all this needs is a woman's touch. Like it, it's a nice house, it's just not very personal, and it's just very male. <laughs> so um, then they walk into his bedroom, and she immediately looks up and is like. <gasps> Only to find the deer head. Boy, can we put this in an office? Can we put this in a den? Do you have a basement? I don't care if it's finished or not. Can we put it down there? A deer head in the bedroom? Not for me. Not for me. And not for Miss Brett either. Uh, She was like, can you put this somewhere else? And Ryan says, no problem. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Can imagine Imagine, like, getting... (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) You know where I'm going with this. And just, like, imagine looking over at that that very special moment and seeing the deer. And and I'm sure it gets many women and men going. Not for me. And like I said, not for Brett. So let's move on. Um, Let's talk about Rachel and Jose. So... Rachel says, even though Jose said that she checks most of his boxes, or if not all of his boxes, she's still a little bit worried about her like day to day habits, her, you know, secret The quote that I got from, um, sex in the city, your secret single behavior, who you are when nobody's around and nobody's watching, get it right. So Rachel tells Jose that she plans on waking up at five o'clock in the morning to go to the gym. And then she says a series of words in a sequence that made me fully be on Jose's side. And Rachel, I did not appreciate that at all because she goes on to say that she's an alarm person. And by that, I mean, she says that in order to wake up at five, she will start the alarms. She will set the alarms on her phone at four o'clock And then every 15 minutes after that until five, until she wakes up. I don't understand this. I'm not a a heavy sleeper. I'm not like finicky about that. But I also like, if I hear an alarm, I'm waking up the first time. I'm not falling back asleep. And so Jose and I are asking the question of, why don't you just set one alarm for five o'clock and wake up then <laughs> I get it's not easy for everybody, but now you're living with somebody who's going to have to hear a four o'clock, four four excuse me, four o'clock, four four 30, That's five alarms until from four o'clock until five o'clock until you decide to wake up. That's, is something that you're going to have to compromise on because I would be really annoyed by that. And she's like, well, I just think that that's something you're going to have to live with. Like, a lot of me feels great that she put her foot down on something with Jose, but this is not the fight that, like, I can't stand behind you in support of this, Rachel. No. No, ma'am. So please, Rachel, don't ever make me be on his side again. I didn't like it. It feels uncomfortable. I don't think it was fair to me. Nor was it fair to the viewers, okay? Don't do that again, please. So, then Rachel goes over to Jose's house. Now, we all know that this has been spoken about as the house that they're going to move into after the experiment. So, uh, shout out to the cameraman for doing an excellent job to show us all the the grandma-style furniture, the ironwork cross on the wall, uh... Etc. Rachel's clearly overwhelmed. But Jose is having the time of his life acting like, bitch, you've never seen a brown leather sectional like the one I have, girl. Did you know that it has the recliner at the end? The recliner at the end? You ain't seen shit like this, girl. I know you haven't. He's going on and on about the recessed lighting, where he likes to put his 12-foot Christmas tree... Then he takes her to the to a room. He leads her to a room. Let's say he leads her to the the doorway and says, "Hey, I gotta grab something. Just give me a second. We'll be back, and I'll, you know, explain this room to you." Um, so she's like looking in, like peeking her head in through the door, and then she takes a couple steps into the room and sees the whiteboard on the wall of you know all of Jose's expenses. So the scary movie music starts to play <laughs> and Jose comes back and he's like, you mentioned like having something like that, right? Like a whiteboard up in your dining room with all the, the, the weight of the expenses and the savings and all of the uh, expenditures that you have every month. You have that, right? And she's like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> like, I have a calendar, but I'm not like writing down my expenses like that. So Jose's like, okay, well, we're going to work on getting you to this point. And in a confessional, Rachel says, listen, if you work hard, she lives by the work hard, play hard uh, code. If you work hard, you should be able to splurge every now and then. And <clears throat> when Jose goes to visit Rachel's apartment, he complains immediately. Like, not even in to the foyer before he scans and sees that she has some uh jugs of like uh, water that need to go to the recycle he's like i practically tripped over that like first of all we all saw where the bottles were located there was no way you were going to trip over that not a chance okay they weren't directly in front of the door there was plenty of space for you to walk your tiny little feet through it's It's fine. You're, you're not going to have to play fucking Olympics and jump over these. Okay. Um, so then what else were his complaints about? Oh, um, he was disgusted, horrified to, (laughs) to find out that she likes to, on her travels, collect like, uh, pencils. That kind of commemorate the locations like these novelty pencils that she likes to keep and she keeps them in a pencil holder on her desk and Jose is like, what are we gonna do with all these pencils first of all it's like one pencil holder or the pencils it's fine but i do not if you have space for that she's like do do I not have my own desk in this situation and I can keep my pencils there like it's fine Jose everybody's gonna live. <laughs> it's like I don't get the pencils and great Granted, like I don't get them either, but also they take up about two cubic inches, and I don't know if like maybe you want to charge her for the value of that when she moves into your home, what, whatever square footage might be occupied by the by the pencils, maybe you want to put that on your whiteboard so you can you can make sure to note to that she can put that, you know, she can put that as part of the of the uh, the mortgage every month because. Hello? She... <laughs> like, I can't stand this, man. Um, she then shows him, she's got like a, it's like a globe, but it's a like a wire cage where you can put little tchotchkes. In this case, she puts wine corks in them. And she has this thing where she writes down a place that she hasn't been but wants to go. And, you know, her thing is to just open it up pick a cork and then go to that place and she's like isn't that fun and jose's like no it isn't <laughs> why does this man hate traveling so much <laughs> what is it with him oh uh, anyway let's move on to bow and johnny so they move into the apartment bow's expect inspecting the kitchen and you know, she's saying little things here and there, like, "Oh, I noticed that the refrigerator doesn't have an ice machine," or, uh, "You know, I'm not really into electric uh, stoves." You know, the you know, there's not proper ventilation above the stove and the cabinets above, and you know, it it wasn't like, "Ugh, I hate this." It was just like a, "Oh, I'm I like to cook. I'm gonna be in this kitchen. I'm just making notes of things." It wasn't like a full on complaint but you wouldn't know that from Johnny's reaction who's just like every time every time we want to have fun Bao ruins it with all of her complaints and a little bitch And she never has anything good to say he says and I quote she has a tendency to take the fun out of things I've said it before and I'll say it again y'all put a pin in that statement because I will be bringing it up later she has, she, Bao, has a tendency to take the fun out of things. Laughable. Anyway, so they get settled. They get in their new bed. Johnny asks Bao if she's nervous about living with somebody. And Bao's like, Yeah, you know, I have a feeling that you're probably very particular about things. And Johnny says, Wait, well, you know, I only really had one stipulation. And then he brings up her showering or lack thereof habits. And Bao says, you know, yeah, I know that you have like a pretty hard and set rule about taking a shower before you go to bed every night. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm like, probably not going to do that because that's just not really my preference. (laughs) So just to be clear where I stand on bath shower gate, let's, let's talk about it. Um, normally like I'm shocked and not so shocked to say this, that I'm on Bao's side, Mostly. Um, I'm on her side in the sense of she's saying, she started off by saying that her, that when she gets in these moments where she doesn't feel like showering, it is tied to um, sadness, some sort of like mental health thing, situation going on with her. Right. I can accept that. Like, I'm putting myself in Johnny's shoes and I'm thinking somebody's telling me that they don't shower regularly. I don't love that. In fact, I hate it. (laughs) I don't like that at all. But when you say that it's tied to your mental health, I'll be a little bit softer to that. Now where Bao lost me again was when she was trying to like strategize for the future and, you know, figure out ways that she can't take a shower that she doesn't have to take a shower. Like, Oh, you know, if I go to the gym and I'm too lazy to take a shower at night, then can I just sleep on the couch? That's where she lost me. But I'm uh, empathetic to her situation as it's tied to her mental health. Um, With it being said, like, not everybody takes a shower at night. And I get that. Like, that might be something. If she's going to take a shower every day... I think we just let it go about when it happens. (laughs) And that, you know, as long as it's happened, I don't know. (laughs) Y'all know what I mean. You guys know what I mean. Anyway, um, so then they go back to uh, the kitchen to have some dinner. And in a confessional, Johnny says that it feels like, every time they have a conversation that they're on the verge of an argument. So he's going to tell her something tonight that he feels like she needs to hear so that she doesn't feel blindsided. So they sit down and they start to eat and Johnny says, well, this is nice and all, but I think I'm going to go home after this. Like, like after we eat, I'm probably going to go home for a couple days to get some separation from this. okay um then he goes on to say the honeymoon was really fun and exciting but it was so draining because it was an emotional roller coaster for me and i just want to be completely transparent with you like after everything that happened i'm really conflicted with us and i need to figure out all the differences that came up between us and think about how i really feel about them because i'm not sure so like so like, you're just going to say that in front of my dinner? Like, now I don't want to eat? So you're just going to bail on our whole relationship and just dump on me and to act like, oh, I don't want her to feel blindsided is one thing. But then to just be like, what you're essentially saying or what somebody was going to hear when they heard all of the poop that just came out of his mouth is... um The honeymoon sucked. I don't like you. I need to cut and run immediately. I cannot stand you to the degree to which I can't even spend the night with you tonight or the next night. I don't want to talk to you and I need to just totally unpack the hell vacation that I just went on with you. Like, that's what I'm hearing. (laughs) Shout out to Bao whose strength, grace, maturity, and conflict resolution skills far exceed and go beyond my capabilities. Cause let me tell you, Johnny, I would have put whatever food that laid before me right in your face. (laughs) I would have fought him so bad. Not, not physically fought him, but I would have been like, all right, we'll get the fuck out then. Like, I, I see. Okay. Whew, let me take a breath. Okay. So, Bao says, you know, yeah, I'm feeling like I'm a little bit concerned about the fact that you need so much time away from me because now it's making me question whether or not you're really committed to this relationship. She looks completely over it. Like, she does not have any fight in him, in her. And she says in a confessional that, hey, if what johnny really wants to do is duck and run i'm not gonna fight him on it go ahead girl yes queen the back of the table bow tells johnny that i hope you're not setting a precedent where if you feel like something is wrong you're gonna leave the home that we created tell him girl go off queen Johnny tries to light and bright the situation by being like, oh, you know, I just need a little time to reset. And Bao says, well, that's perfectly fine. And then she does that nod. Like, okay. Like that, I got your number. Like, um, I just said this was fine, but it's actually not fine. And it's actually a really big problem. But I'm going to let you say that. Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's perfectly fine. Fine. So <laughs> Then they show all the couples like the montage for what should be their first morning in their shared apartment together um and everybody's doing their thing except for bow who's getting ready for work on her own and johnny is filming himself in bed lights off it looks like a hostage video He's talking about how, you know, everybody told me that marriage was hard and, you know, it hasn't even been a week. And I think they were right. Um, The call is coming from within the house, Johnny. You're making your relationship hard. You are making marriage hard. You are the one whose ass is going to continue to be sitting in the dark by himself. Talking into a camera if he doesn't get his shit together. So later that night, Bao is unpacking her things in the apartment and I think being incredibly calm and measured about the whole situation. She says that she suspects that Johnny might not have as much experience with relationships, but she's trying really hard to not be discouraged because Johnny has potential and she thinks that he wants the relationship to work, but he doesn't know whether or not he's ready to commit. Again, Grace... And maturity well beyond what I'm capable of. I think she's clearly been therapized. (laughs) This is a woman who is in touch with her feelings and knows how to express herself. And I there is no greater person on the planet than a woman who speaks her mind and speaks it eloquently and just like will chop you down before you even realize it, but like in the classiest way. I love Bao. She's a queen. by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. So Johnny walks in and he walks in with some takeout on some like, honey, I'm home shit. Like he literally said, honey, I'm home. Bitch, you don't live here, bro. You left, okay? Um, Not not an underwear. Not one of your seven blue shirts is laying in this closet. Like this is not your home, sir, because you left it. Anyway, Um, in a confessional, he says that some time apart really released you know, it was really therapeutic and it gave him time to think about how he reacted to things and that he's going to be walking in with a fresh perspective. Okay. So Johnny breaks the ice by saying that the last time he was in the apartment, he was feeling really overwhelmed with the relationship because, uh, during the honeymoon that they would get into these disagreements, but they didn't have time to process or resolve the matter, um, in the moment. But looking back, he said that some things are not as important as they were in the moment. Great. What are those things, Johnny? What are you apologizing for? <laughs> like, be specific. Cite your work. Show your sources. Bao does point out that obviously this is an accelerated situation. And Johnny says, yeah, if we were just dating and we had fought this much within two or three dates, that would be one thing. But I feel like over the next couple of months, we're going to really find why we were matched. Like the reason why we were matched and bow again, who's being incredibly nice says, Hey, as long as you're here (laughs) and I'm giving it a lot more funk than she is. As long as you're here, I'm happy to work on things in a confessional. Johnny says, this is the first time he's experienced hardship in a relationship and it's not left or back down. So they go to bed. He actually stays tonight that night and Bao's talking about how they have an incredible opportunity for this to be a really great love story for them. And she's honestly like a better woman than me because I would have been like, just staring at him in the bed. <laughs> just, just being like, Oh, are you here? Are you still here? Do you need some time to regroup or are you going to stay here for the night? Okay. Are you comfortable or do you feel like you need to leave me again? How are we feeling, Johnny? Are you, are you restful? You good? <laughs> and that's why I'm not on the show. <laughs> so after our first half of the episode, Pastor Cal then comes to the apartments to check up on the couples. And by that, I mean stir the pot and make them fight each other. Okay? Chaos and negativity. So he goes over to Jose and Rachel's place first. They're doing, like, full-on, we're happy, we're in love, holding hands united front vibes and rachel's gushing about how great jose is and how they had an immediate connection she can't wipe the smile off of her face and pastor cow's like that's so great jose i see you've got a smile like a cheshire cat and just just so we know i he's the one who said that not me okay and then he tells Jose that he married up and then he does like the up motion with his finger which I feel like was a suggestion or maybe a nod to the fact that Rachel's taller than him but again I didn't say that Pastor Cal did anyway so Pastor Cal says you know he asks if they see anything on the horizon that might be an issue and of course finances is the first thing and Rachel says that she wants to be responsible for the finances as well as Jose, not just leaving it all to him. And we see a flashback that they had a conversation that morning where Rachel jokingly, or, you know, maybe not so jokingly asks Jose if he's ready to go to Europe next month. And Jose says, well, you've already been there. And she says, yeah, but I want to go with my husband. And he says, well, you know, it seems like your car's maybe seen better days, so maybe it's more important that you put that $3,000 towards a car instead of a vacation. And Rachel's like, well, you know, I feel like I got at least another year on the car. Like, that's fine. Not worried about that right now. So, Jose tells Pastor Cal that he foresees them having a lot of big expenses coming up. Like, apparently they're going to be moving into a new house. And the car and whatever, and that he feels like at this point they can forego a trip for a year or two. Pastor Cal says, Ooh, you think so much, man. (laughs) You think a lot. (laughs) I know you have your schematics and your whiteboard and all that, but I look at you, the two of you, and I feel like, Jose, you're like the science, and Rachel, you're like the arts. And this is who she is. She's going to bring fun to your life and you can't be the one to snuff that out. Like enjoy it. So then Cal asks if they've consummated their marriage or at least what level of intimacy they're at. And they reveal that they did have sex. And I feel like that really escalated quickly because last week at the very end of the episode, she, Rachel was saying, if we don't have sex in the next few months, then I'm going to be feeling some type of way about this relationship. And Jose was talking about the boxes again and how, if I don't have certain boxes checked, then the physical stuff and the sex isn't going to happen. So what? (laughs) I mean, I could tell you what box he (laughs) checks, but I just feel like that seems like a very quick turnaround because we're talking maybe two, three days since the honeymoon. But okay. He, He checked her box. And congrats to the both of you. Um, Rachel says that she has a little bit of concern and worry about being intimate too soon and having that blur your vision. And Pastor Cal says, don't pump the brakes on things because with this experience, what should be happening is that you guys have that spark right away. I gotta tell you guys, I don't really understand what the rules are regarding sex with (laughs) with the show. Like, I understand... Maybe I should backtrack. What I should say is that, one, it definitely takes a more open-minded and adventurous person for the physical aspects to be uh, successful on the show. But two, it's like, he I feel like they tell every couple different things, like telling Rachel and Jose, don't pump the brakes, but then they're saying for other people, it's fine if you guys don't do this or if you're not here, if you haven't gone all the way, but... You guys need to be on the same page, at least. And then there are other times where they say... I'm just very confused. There doesn't seem to be any, like, common standard answer to the physicality part of the show. But anyway, moving on to Michaela and Zach. Um, Before they meet up with Pastor Cal, they, one, move into their apartment. And two, introduce the dogs to each other, because they both have dogs. Their dogs get along immediately. So cute. They're just like... Like, they knew they were brothers. Ugh. They were just playing and having a great time. Anyway, um, Michaela and Zach start to talk about, you know, what is, What do you think it's gonna be like to live together? And Michaela asks Zach, um, what he thinks that their first fight is gonna look like. And Zach asks, what kind of person are you in an argument? And Michaela says, under no uncertain terms, that you know she's not the type of person to storm off she even goes so far as to say that it's actually kind of abusive to leave somebody like emotionally abusive to leave to go m.i.a to go off the radar not answer phone calls not answer texts and to just walk out so she's not going to do that and zach says that he's actually looking forward to their first fight and Michaela's like really (laughs) so more on that later um Actually, let's just get into that now. Done, done, done. So suddenly, the goose pimples on my arms start. My the hairs on my arms start lifting, and I'm so excited because we get what I love from the show is apartment camera footage. That just corner of the the wall footage that you know that something juicy happened. It's always something very explosive, <laughs> and I love it. So. Here's what happens. They're at the apartment. There's some dramatic thumping music playing. It's 7.15 in the morning, and we can see Zach walking around the living room kitchen area. And then he leaves. So an hour later, Michaela leaves the bedroom. She starts looking for Zach. We hear her opening doors, asking where he is, whatever. She notices, obviously, that he's gone. And... In a voiceover, Michaela explains that Zach did not communicate at all that he was leaving that morning. Not a text. And on top of that, she's texting and calling him, and he's not answering. So, at that point, we see her come out of the bathroom. She's got those big, like, you know, those big IKEA, like, plastic bags that you get. And she has two of those over her shoulder, and she bounces. We even see her... Like, before she leaves, she's coming out of the bathroom. She's got a roll of toilet paper in one hand, a roll of Clorox wipes in another. She slams them on the kitchen table. The Clorox wipe bottle um, falls onto the floor. And she's pissed. She's pissed. So the next time we see them, they're back at the apartment. They are could not be farther away from each other on the couch. And she says that the only reason why she came back is because they were going to have a meeting with Pastor Cal. Zach asks her how she's doing, and she's like, fine. But in a confessional, she says that Zach didn't communicate with her, um, but he left that morning, so she's frustrated by him even asking if she's okay because she knows that he knows that she's not. And so before Cal gets there, Zach is like, all right, well, what's up? And she says, really? Do you really want to know? In this like very sweet voice, she says, okay. So this morning I wake up and there's no husband next to me. There's no Bella, Bella's Zach's dog, and no Zach. No Zach, no Bella, just gone. So then Michaela says that Zach told her the situation was, He was going to put his dog, Bella, in a separate room the night before. She's getting ready to go to bed and he says, okay, I'm just going to get her settled in this room, get her to bed, and then I'll join you in our bedroom. So she went to bed before he came back to the room and she didn't wake up until that morning to find that he was gone. Zach is stuttering and he's like, oh, well, uh, what happened was, um, that, you know, I, the dog, I fell asleep waiting for the dog to go to sleep. And then I didn't wake up until seven o'clock and, you know, and then I had to take the dog to daycare and she's like, okay, but why didn't you text me though? And he tells her that the purpose behind him, that there was no reason why he didn't tell her. She's like, well, it felt, it felt intentional And Zach says, well, what part feels intentional? She says, all of it. (laughs) I don't understand why you couldn't have just sent me a text message. You know, it's not like it was going to disrupt my sleep. Like if I woke up, you know, like it wasn't, I wasn't going to be pissed if you texted me when I was asleep. And if I didn't wake up, I would have just seen it when I, when I woke up and that would have been it. Right. And so Zach is like, well, what's the issue? And Michaela says, well, the issue is that I think you make decisions on your own and I find that endearing, and I also find that really annoying. And so Zach says, well, did you think I was going to be gone forever? And she says, no, but if you're going to act in an independent way, then I will too, which is why I left. <laughs> and so Zach says, interesting. You know what's funny is that we had this whole talk about how we behaved during fights and how we handle situations. And um, I just think it's really funny that you said that you're not the person to leave, and yet that's exactly what you did. <laughs> so, um, then Zach says that Michaela's rash decision to leave just because he didn't say goodbye to her that morning was a red flag because he's dealt with this in the past and he hates that type of behavior and it hasn't worked out for him before and he doesn't want know if it's going to work out for him now. I distinctly remember when they were at the reception of their wedding that he, she said that she is a clingy woman, that she's not, um, I can't remember what word she used. She used the word clingy, basically. Um, not possessive, but clingy. And Zach said that he actually found that quite attractive. And that he was into that when she said it. Well, be careful. Be careful. Every. I won't say every guy, but a lot of guys, I think all of us people who've been in heterosexual relationships with heterosexual men, my thoughts go out to you, first of all. But I think if you've dated a decent amount, you have encountered the guy who says that every woman is crazy, right? But this is... That is Zach. Zach will be the first guy to tell you every woman is crazy. But then you'll say things like, oh, I like a clingy woman. I like a woman who has unhealthy boundaries. And then you act like you're so surprised at what happens, you know, <laughs> in the aftermath. It, oh, I can't stand him. <laughs> anyway. Michaela claims that Zach never came back to the apartment and Zach says that he came back at 9.15 and she says, there's no way. I was still there at that time. Like, you're a lie. No, no possible way you came back at nine 9.15. So he says that he doesn't want to talk about the situation anymore. Michaela's like, okay, but is there any resolve here? And right at that moment, Pastor Cal walks, knocks on the door. So he comes in so excited and clearly is not reading the room and was like, hey, I just wanted to talk to you guys. Huh. I notice you guys are sitting a little pretty far apart from each other and Zach says, well, we just got into our first fight and Pastor Cal says, welcome to marriage. <laughs> Michaela cracked me up. She starts getting shady and says turns to Pastor Cal and says, I noticed that you've matched me with a man who's really dynamic and strong and challenging and Cal says, yeah, like you (laughs) Zach starts talking about how this fight hasn't affected his feelings for her and like it's okay and she's squinting at him like dude, what are you talking about and Zach's like oh, I don't like that face And so Cal says, what's the squint about? And she says, well, Zach is talking a good game, but like right now I just have my guard up. So I don't really feel like I believe what he's saying. Zach says he doesn't understand what the big deal is. He just went to sleep with his dog, went to the daycare, came back two hours later. And like, he's been honest this whole process since day one. He's not lying now. And then, He says, we've had all these deep conversations on and off camera, and I've never seen you squint your face like this at me. And it feels like, it makes me feel like you don't trust me. The Pastor Cal asks Michaela to express her feelings. And at this point, she starts getting emotional and says that she thinks that Zach is wonderful. She really likes him. And that makes her nervous. And then she says, look, when my dad died, I had to reprogram and start Going from, like, him being my protector to protecting myself. And now I have this husband. The idea of allowing myself to be watched over and led by another man is scary. Zach moves a little bit closer to Michaela on the couch. And she just kind of, like, recoils and jumps back. And then Cal asks them to unpack her reaction to that. And he says, I think that Michaela you really do want Zach to comfort you? And she says, I do. And so then pastor Cal, Cal starts to get into like breaking down exactly what Michaela just said. She lost her ultimate protector in her father and the impact of that. And she starts to cry and Zach hugs her. And then Cal says, do you understand Zach a little bit more how you're leaving or why you're leaving would have affected her. And Zach says, hey, I don't understand what it would be like to be in her position. I, I don't understand what it would have felt like for her to leave her father, but I want to be your protector. And Michaela's response is, but I just feel like that's a lot for you, like a lot for you to take on. And Cal's like, Michaela, this is what you wanted. So don't push him away when he says that he wants to do this for you. I don't want you to guys to derail this so early on. I think they have potential. I think they're, mm, I, do I think they're going to make it? No. <laughs> I think they're going to be our couple who's like our wild card where there's just like a lot of drama and ups and downs with them and I'm excited about it. I, I am. It's not going to end up in them having a happy, lasting marriage, but I like One couple. One couple to throw us for a loop. Just one. We're getting too many of them. Too many. But I'm excited for Michaela specifically to show out because I think she's really going to bring the drama to the show that we need and deserve. So then Pastor Cal and... uh, He goes over to Brett and Ryan's house. He asks them how they're feeling about the reality of being married and Ryan says that he's been telling everybody that asks them that Brett is one of the coolest people he's ever met. He can hang out with her in any scenario. And Brett says that they have a really similar sense of humor that Ryan tends to be a little bit more dry and she picks up on that and they can banter with each other really well. And that Ryan makes her feel really comfortable and she feels like she doesn't always have to be in charge or be the strong one all the time. So Cal asks if Ryan is the type of guy that Brett has dated before, knowing that the answer to that is no. (laughs) So she says no. Surprise, surprise. And then she brings up her traumatic experience of discovering that he keeps a deer head mounted on his wall in the bedroom. So Ryan tells Cal that he recognizes that this is not really Brett's style, and he's going to start to get her to do some more country things now. Republican things Um, in a confessional Brett says that she doesn't really care the boots the country music that's not that big of a deal if she can unpeel and unpack and understand why they were matched together that she can get over the fact that he's like a Luke Bryan fan or whatever Um, but she also doesn't really feel like she fits in in his world So when Pastor Cal points out that they are being physically affectionate with one another, like touching and, you know, doing that, checking in, if you will, and Ryan says that they've always been kind of touchy-feely like that, hands on each other, hands on the thigh, what have you, but it hasn't, in his words, gotten crazy, meaning they haven't had sex yet. So Cal says, you know, it's not really not about how fast you guys are moving. It's really just about being on the same page because if one of you guys wants more than the other, then it's going to be a problem. So then he asks him, Brett and Ryan, are you both happy with the level of intimacy that you're at at this point? Brett says she is. Ryan says it's going on a little bit slower than he would have anticipated, but it's growing and he's a fan. <laughs> So then Cal asks them to talk about how they feel about one another. Brett immediately gets shy and says that they haven't really had that conversation yet. And then she tells Ryan that she does have a crush on him. And she also admits that she may not be expressing that outwardly as much as she wants to, or she should. Ryan says that he likes Brett and that he could see it progressing further, like beyond like and into love. And so when Pastor Cal says, "Um, Ryan, you've been in love before, right? And Pastor Cal asks him to explain what that love feeling meant for him. And he says, well, I know it's love or I know, I think I know it's love when I want to do or when I care about that person more than I care about myself. But I'm not really feeling that for Brett right now. But I'm comfortable saying that. I just, you know, want to make sure that we're on the same page as far as that goes. And they tried to make it seem like Brett kind of, like, took that one on the chin. But I think it's kind of one of those things that you don't really need to say. Because, and I'm not faulting Brett for saying that because, excuse me, Ryan for saying that because he was led to say that, but I also just feel like it was not necessary. Like, you know that you guys have been together a week or less at this point. Clearly it would be wild if you were saying, you know, Tom Cruise jumping on the couch is am madly in love with this chick. But I also think it doesn't need to be like, it's like an understood thing. Like to say I'm not in love with her I just like her right now. I could see how it would make a more sensitive person like myself. It would rub them the wrong way, even though like it really does. not you guys know what I mean? Like it just, I I just didn't feel like it needed to be like stated that he's, I I don't love you right now because why would he? (laughs) I don't know. It, It was just weird. So then Pastor Cal heads over to Mirla and Gil's place, and when Cal comes over, Gil says in a confessional that while he and Mirla like to joke with one another, he thinks that there are probably more serious things that they need to talk about, so he's, like, a little bit nervous and anxious about having this conversation. To the shock of absolutely nobody, finances, or specifically the way Mirla spends her money, comes up immediately, and... You know, she's so extravagant and um, Gil then tells Cal, like, I would say that her closet is probably worth about $70,000. And when Cal asks Mirla if she thinks that's right, she's like, no, no. So then Cal asks, how many red bottoms does she have in her closet? So now this is a conversation between Gil and Cal about Mirla's possessions I, I hate this. The, like why why do you guys need to be having this first of all, she's right there. Secondly, she's not gonna lie to you. <laughs> like she will tell you the truth because she doesn't have a problem with how she spends her her money, Calvin. So anyway, Cal asks Gil how many red bottoms she has in her closet, and then Gil says, Yeah, how many do you have? And Marilyn says, I don't know. But then she says, like, I don't know, maybe 10. So Cal asks Gil how he feels about that. How he feels about what? About the purchases that she made prior to even knowing this man? (laughs) He shouldn't feel any way about that. Oh, my God. So, um, Gil, Pastor Cal asks Gil not only how he feels about that, and he asks him if he thinks it's too much. And again, who gives a shit? He has not spent one dime on the amount of clothes that she has in her closet. And if she can afford to spend that coin, her coin, what's the problem? So apparently the night before Gil asked her if she would consider shopping less. And she told him no. And so Gil is so happy to bring that information to Pastor Cal. But when she explains it to him, she says, I said no, because I wanted to know what the reason would be like. Why would I need to be curbing my spending? And Cal looks at her like she's stupid. And he's like, well, to divert it into other areas. And Gail's like, exactly. So this is like, they're totally tag teaming on her. Mirla says, but if I'm already putting money into savings, I'm already doing those things. All the things that Susie Orman has hammered into our head. I'm already doing those things. So if I can spend money on some red bottoms, What's the problem, you know? So, Cal goes into, like, you know, how she needs to be more marriage-minded. And, you know, it's okay if you spend $150, but we're talking about, like, thousands of dollars worth of purchases. And that's something that she needs to talk to Gil about. Okay. (laughs) Okay. No, I, I do understand that, like, if you're making extravagant purchases in your marriage, then, yeah, it is fair to give somebody a heads up before 3000 2000 whatever thousand dollars come out of your account. What you guys really need to be discussing, instead of shaming her for being able to live the lifestyle that she can very clearly afford on her own, is discussing finances in a, like, the way that Jose and Rachel are. How are you going to do this? Are you going to have a joint account? How much money are you contributing? How much money are you contributing? Are we going to be contributing to our financial scale? Because clearly there seems to be a little bit of difference between Mira's, uh tax returns and Gil's tax returns these are the questions we need to be having is we don't need to be like hammering this shame into Mirla for spending the money that she has to spend if she is spending responsibly saving and doing all the due diligence that she needs. She has made it very clear that she climbed her way into this tax bracket, whatever it may be, and that she has zero intention of ever going back to her poor upbringing so I'm not worried about this woman (laughs) I don't know why these men are acting like she is sabotaging the relationship she is not they haven't even been anywhere for her to be making any extravagant purchases yet like this isn't even a problem in their marriage now nothing has happened (laughs) nothing has happened yet to to need to have this like full court press on her it's i thought that was weird
1: ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me Kiki palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh
0: Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cal shifts the conversation to the physical intimacy, and Gil says that there has been more touchy-feely stuff between them, but... You know, they'll they cuddle before bed, um, but that's the climax. And Cal says, that's not a climax, my friend. <laughs> so, then Cal asks if there's been a kiss since the wedding, and they both nod no, and Cal says, when you guys got married, she gave you the cheek, right? And Gil says, yeah, and she's still cheeking me. <laughs> so... Cal asks if this is behavior is the same off-camera as it is on-camera, and Gil says yes, and that he feels chemistry towards her, and he can't speak for Mirla, but he guesses that she feels the same, but then Cal cuts him off and says, well, you shouldn't have to guess, which is fair. That I will give him. Um, then he just straight up says, asks, do you guys want to have sex? Mirla says, eventually, yes, and Gil says, it's a yes for me. It's not an eventually. Yes. It's yes. Yes. I I do. (laughs) So, um, Cal asks what it is that Marilu was going to need to feel more comfortable. And she says, I just think I just need to get to know him. So Gil says the sex part is not the issue. He's perfectly fine going this experiment, going a few months before having sex. But the kissing is something that he is adamant about. And he straight up says that... Oh, excuse me. First of all, Cal asks if... He asks Mirla if a peck on the cheek is... um, Is a big deal and outside of her comfort zone. And Mirla says, for now, right now, it is. So, she says, I'm just focused on how I feel. And I'm trying not to listen to outside people potentially putting pressure on my relationship. Now, I don't want to, like put anything on her and like say so I'm not going, never mind, I'm not going to but I just feel like her the way she said like I just listened to myself in my mind pings that not that there was like some horrible thing that happened to her but that maybe there were situations that she was not comfortable in and she's just like I'm never going to be in a position where I'm not listening to my insides and going with that. Like, I think that is completely fair. Um, so then Gil asks, excuse me. He says that he asked Mirla if she could go through the entire experiment without kissing. And she said, yes. And then he tells pastor Cal that he told her, that if that happens, if they go through this entire experiment without her kissing, then he will ask for a divorce on Decision Day. This is a conversation that they had prior to meeting with Pastor Cal, and he's sticking with that. How do I feel about this? Um, you know, like, I want to be honorable of everybody and meeting them to their physical limitations and and honoring what they can and cannot do or are willing or are not willing to do. We should absolutely be doing that. With that being said, <laughs> you're married to this person. And with marriage comes some, should come some security that like the physical aspects are going to be taken care of. Um, so to me, kissing him, should be something that even if you're waiting a while, I think another week should be enough for you. (laughs) Like, y'all are sharing a bed, you're sharing a home, you're married, you're living together. If you don't want to kiss him, and that's too far for you, over the course of the two months that you guys are in this experiment together, I probably would not be that motivated to stay with them either. So there we are. Um, let's end with Bao and Johnny. When they went to their um, apartments to check it out, there really wasn't like too much exciting stuff. They both uh, realized and discovered that they both have bidets and that they, listen, if you need to make a BM in the greater Houston area, Bow got you hooked up. She's got the bidet. She's got the wipes. She's got the poopery. She's got the regular toilet paper. All the accoutrement to make your butthole happy. Anyway, um, (laughs) so then let's get to their meeting with Pastor Cal. So, they bring up, you know, you, you know at this point that we know each other, right? Or we knew each other prior to getting married. And Val says that she's had a crush on Johnny this whole time, but he didn't go for her because she was kind of a nerd. She wasn't as popular. She's clearly joking, but Johnny's face is like, Ugh. like, I want to leave right now. Cal asks them about the types of conversation that they've been having. And Johnny says that they were able to go really deep, really quickly but you can't go that deep without having some arguments. So Pastor Cal asks what the conversations are about. And Bao brings up the situation with her snoring. And she very accurately and rightfully said that Johnny was dismissive after she said that. And he acted like she was being overly sensitive and was making a bigger deal out of it than she needed to. And then she looks him right in the eye and says, You made fun of the vulnerability of mine that made me feel less attractive. And I feel like sometimes you're rejecting me. Bam. They should have held Johnny more accountable for how he treated her during her snoring. Because she's exactly right. He acted like her coming to him with a vulnerability... And an ask of him to just be kinder to her was something that she did wrong and she let the air out of the tires and she bursted everybody's bubble and she ruined the moment and she's the one who's the Debbie Downer who's making everything terrible and we take two steps forward and then here Bow comes uh, being a uh, just like a drip. No. The reality is you were the dick in that situation and we did not see you re- ex- explicitly express regret for that or understanding of where she was coming from. It was all about you and how you felt and your ego being bruised by your partner telling you that she didn't like being made fun of something that you adult man should be able to take on the chin and just accept and move on and be apologetic and don't make it about you somehow weirdo. Bao then goes on to say that she feels like she's the one who's always um, initiating physical contact and touch and affection. And Johnny's like, well, I feel like I initiate. So Pastor Cal stops them and says, but if she feels like the affection is not being initiated on you, then it really doesn't matter if you disagree. It doesn't matter how you feel. If you're not attracted to her. Okay. But like, let's talk about this now. And you need to tell her, um, That information. So Johnny is like, and you could see his jaw tense up and he's like looking down and he's like, like, like he doesn't want to say anything. And pastor Cal says, I can tell you're struggling because you don't want to say something because you're afraid that it's going to hurt her feelings. And Johnny's like, yeah. Are you guys ready for what this man said? So we've seen this man ham and ha about every single thing that Bao has done and he parts his lips to tell her that when she gets excited it's kind of childlike <laughs> and that he doesn't find that attractive he doesn't like her giddiness And that when she does try to make physical advances, he finds that to be childlike as well. And he even mimics the way she looks at him when she wants a kiss. Like, it's just, like, this, like, pleading child of, please kiss me. And he just finds that so unattractive. And, ugh. 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 He says that when she wants a kiss, he will kiss her, but it's not hot and spicy and it doesn't get him going. Oh, poor Johnny. Are you not being, she's not getting you going when she kisses you. The thing that you said was so important to you with your dumb ass. (sighs) So Bao is taking this in incredibly well. Pastor Cal asks her how she feels about what he said. And she says, um, I just don't feel attractive at all because he's comparing me to a child. <laughs> and then Johnny falls back on the couch and says, well, well, that's why I didn't want to say it. And so Pastor Cal calls him out and says, but this is what we do in a marriage. We adjust or we accept, but we don't break and run. And that's what you're doing right now. So he tells Johnny, you need to be able to say how you feel and that bow should be able to take that in stride. And she says, well, yeah, but it also just makes me feel unattractive because I'm showing the vulnerable sides of myself. I'm showing like not a lot of people see that happy giddy side of me. I really just reserve it for the people I'm in a romantic relationship with. And, uh, now it, he's acting like he's disgusted by my joy or how I express my joy. So pastor Kell says that there's nothing wrong with how she expresses joy And he encourages Johnny to also be giddy and look for those sides of himself instead of looking at looking at it as a negative and to understand that when you're looking down at this woman who wants to kiss you, you're looking at a grown ass woman, your grown wife, who is a grown adult in every sense of the word. (laughs) So put that into context Then Pastor Cal says some bullshit about how he's not, um, you know, trying to pick on Johnny. And he starts to coddle him a little bit. And, like, honestly, here's the thing that we're not allowed to say. Is that sometimes bullying works. And Johnny needs some tough love. And we need to stop, like, we need, somebody just needs to be like, you're being really immature and like a dick right now. And stop. Because you have a prize here. You have, one of the most intelligent and emotionally intelligent and mature people that you could ever hope to find. And you're the one, your baby, you're being the baby, sir. Big baby, Johnny. Ugh. So he, Castor Cal does bring it back and say, this is not Val's problem. This is your problem. And then Cal tells Bow that there's nothing wrong with who she is. And then he's like, well, gotta go. Um, you know, I think just like get better. You know, the only thing that's a hindrance in a relationship is you guys. So I think you can, you know, either succeed or make it fail. So bye. (laughs) And that was the end of the episode. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Have we seen Dr. Pepper at all? I don't know that we have. Anyway, um, the next episode looks pretty exciting. I may or may not have a guest for that. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. I'll be back next week.